Joe of the Chalet School. Chapter Twenty Three. Joey's Bath. For long hours, the Chalet School lay sleeping. They were all worn out with excitement and want of sleep during the early hours of the night, and most of the other inhabitants of the valley were up and out and hard at work before one of the girls stirred. Joey was the first to open her eyes. For a moment, she wondered where the yellow cubicle curtains had vanished, and why the robin was snuggled down beside her. Then she remembered. With a low exclamation, she scrambled out of bed and ran to the window, which stood wide to the sun in the breezes, and poked out a ruffled head. It was a curious scene of desolation which lay before her eyes. The ground immediately round the chalet was clear of water. But there was a thick layer of gray mud all over it, and the dip beyond was a small pond, and the Crown Prince Carl was still surrounded, while the lake was tossing muddily under the whip of the northwest wind upon its swollen waters. All round, whether the ground was low, water was standing, and bushes and trees rose from a lake and pools all over, and haystacks. Which had been swept down by the flood was entangled in some wild barberry bushes, and as for the six-foot fence, it was a thing of the past. Here and there, a stake rose forlornly from the ground, but the withes were scattered all over, and it was quite obvious that the work must be done over again. Joe had just taken this all in when a little stir from the couch brought her in. And she turned round to find that her sister was looking at her with startled eyes. "Hello," she said gaily. "It's gone down." "What has? Where?" asked Madge foggily, for she was only half awake. "The water, silly. Mean to say they've forgotten about it?" "You can't be well." Madge sat up, fully awake by now. "No, I haven't forgotten. Of course, only I was so sleepy. Gone down, has it?" That's a blessing. Not everywhere," said Joe, who was hanging out of the window once more. "The hollow is swimming still, and it's all round the Crown Prince Carl. But we're clear. There's oceans of mud everywhere, though." Madge threw back the bedclothes and got out of bed. "Let me see, Joey. What a mess! I wonder what the downstairs rooms are like. Awful, I should think." Are we going to get up now? Yes, it must be fearfully late. Just look at the sun. I wonder Marie isn't about. Where are the dogs? Outside, I suppose," replied Joe. "I say, what an adventure we're to have! More of an adventure than I like, thank you," retorted Madge. "I hope to goodness we're going to have a little peace after this. We've done nothing but have excitements." Ever since we came from Austria, I don't want any more adventure for a long time to come. Joe considered her sister with her head on one side. Her remark appeared to have nothing to do with the subject. I wonder when Doctor Jim will get up from Innsbruck. She observed. Madge turned to the mirror and began to brush her pretty hair with much vigor and without saying one word. He's sure to dash up when he hears," pursued Joe. "Do talk quietly, Joey," exclaimed Madge. "You'll wake up the robin, and I want her to stay asleep. But 
She won't if you go on yelling at the top of your voice like that. Joe moderated her voice, but she was far too excited to stop talking. Madge was dressed and downstairs before she had begun to brush the thick mop of her hair, and sundry sounds told her that the other members of the chalet school were waking up. The damage done in the school was not very extensive. The rooms were muddy, of course, and far too damp to be used for two or three days. One or two books, which had been overlooked in the hurried clearing up of the night before, could never be the same again, and one or two of the chairs stood in need of repair. Miss Bettany collected all this information, and when turned to the rest of the staff, said, "'What do you think?' she asked. "'This is the 12th of March, and we break up on April the 2nd. That's exactly three weeks. Shall I break up now, and bring the girls back early, or shall we just carry on as best we can until the proper date?' "'Oh, carry on, I should think,' said Miss Maynard. "'For today, of course, we can't do much. "'The rooms must be cleared and dried first. "'But it's Thursday, luckily. "'I should let the juniors have lessons in one of the big dormitories "'and the middles in the other. "'The seniors might help to sweep the mud out of the doors. "'Then Marie and Egan can scrub the floors and get the stove on. "'Set all the doors and windows open.' and I should imagine the place will be comparatively dry by tomorrow. Then, if we can manage again tomorrow, we should have the weekend, and everything ought to be all right again by that time. If you can start Marie straight away after breakfast, I'll clear away the breakfast things and wash up. I don't teach the first period, luckily. Then, added Mademoiselle, I will attend to the cooking during the next period. I could not scrub a floor. "'But I can cook.' "'I'll clean furniture when I'm free,' decided Mr. Ant. "'I'm a dab at cleaning windows, too,' she added, laughing. "'And I'll do odd jobs,' agreed the head. "'Well, at this rate, I see no reason for breaking up early. "'I must wire the parents, and then we, that we are all safe, "'and then I think we might go to work.' The staff were very pleased with the arrangements, but the girls were not. They had looked forward to a thrilling time of spring cleaning, and the news that the younger ones, at any rate, would have lessons as usual completely upset their calculations. Meals and lessons were a good deal of scramble that day, and the seniors and mistresses worked hard to get the place into something like order. Egan and Marie produced brooms, and the seniors swept the gray mud out the doors, where the sun and the strong wind were already drying up the sodden earth as quickly as possible. Herr Fafin, the father of the two servants, came along to see if the children were quite safe, and to let them know that all was well at Wald Villa, their home. He insisted on lending a hand with the result that soon Marie was hard at work scrubbing the floors while Egan lit huge fires in all the stoves and stoked them assiduously. Shortly after noon, Herr Braun came round from the Crown Prince Carl to see how it fared with the school. The hotel was much the worse for standing at the lower level and almost on the bank of the river. It had received the first fury of the torrent, 
and the wooden veranda had been badly smashed, while the water had covered the first two floors. And I have just had all painted and polished, he groaned. Now it will all be to do over again, and the season is at hand. Perhaps it will scrub clean, said Madge, comfortingly. How is Frau Braun? She is working hard, he replied. All well, the good God sent the flood, and doubtless he had some great purpose behind it. We can only bow to his will. With which truly pious remark, he said good-bye and left them. By the evening the chalet was clean once more, and it was drying rapidly. Miss Bettany looked round, pleased with the result of her labors. "'Tomorrow we must attend to La Petite Chalet,' she said. "'It is smaller than this, of course, but unfortunately it lies in the hollow, and the flood washes high. I see that the water is draining away from the dips, so I suppose it will be clear by Monday.' The sea spit's path is fairly dry now, and I am going for a walk up there. If anyone likes to get into thick shoes and coat and tammy, she can come with me. There was a shout of joy for the girls had been indoors all day and were longing to get outside. The next moment the air was full of confused shouts of exclamations as they all fled to get ready. Ten minutes later the whole thirty-odd of them were walking demurely down to the path which had been cleared of mud earlier in the day, and the four mistresses came behind them. Once they were past the white-painted fence, which showed by a mark halfway up where the water had reached, they broke rank, and the juniors ran, laughing and chasing each other happily up the lake road while the middles wandered along in clumps and the seniors talking very seriously paraded along by the edge of the lake the staff with one eye on the younger girls in case of accident were busily discussing the next term's arrangements there would be a good deal to see to for miss bettany had several new pupils in prospect and one of her reasons for going home to england for the holidays was to engage another mistress and a matron i shall get an english mistress she said now that we are growing so quickly i really need more time and as long as i have to teach all the english subjects to the seniors and history and literature to the middles i simply can't make the time we shall be very big next term queried mademoiselle between forty and fifty at least it is quite possible that we shall be more, because we may get a few day-girls from the summer visitors, of course the Marnseys and the Manches, and one or two other cases to be boarders, and next term is the last for Gisela and Bernhilda. Still, we are doing very well. We need a matron, too. We've managed quite well this far, but it will be far better to have someone." "'Good heavens, what's that?' as a splash and several shrieks rang out simultaneously. With one accord the staff threw its dignity to the wind and tore down the road to find Amy Stevens, Robin, and Simone scrambling out of the ditch at the side of the road. It was full of water and mud, and anything more disgraceful than the three dripping objects that Gisela, Brunhilde, and Juliet hauled forth on to the road it would have been hard to discover girls gasped miss bettany 
What were you doing? Back to school at once, you three. Miss Maynard, will you take them, please? Hot baths, hot drinks, and bed at once. Joey, come back onto the path. How on earth did you get there? She might well ask. The ditch which lay between the road and the mountain slope at that point was normally two feet wide at the most. Since the night before, it had increased to four feet in width, and its waters washed up against the steep bank covered with young heather and curly frond of bracken. How Joe had managed to get across without falling in was a mystery. How she was going to get back seemed likely to prove another. Joe evidently thought to herself, I can't, she said agitatedly. It was a fearful scrum to get here. I can't get back, cause it's too steep. Miss Bettany measured the distance with her eye. Hmm, you'll have to jump it, she said. Come down as far as you can, and then jump hard so that you clear the ditch, and I'll catch you. No, don't, please don't, begged Joey. Honestly, I'd rather you didn't. I can jump all right, really I can. I'm afraid you may hurt yourself, began her sister, but Joe waved her aside. I won't, I truly won't, please let me. Realizing that the child was working herself up to a violent pitch of excitement, Madge yielded, much against her better judgment, and stood back, motioning the others to do the same. They obeyed at once, and stood watching at ra a rather frantic Joe, who crept down as far as she dared, and then cautiously straightened herself. I'm coming, she cried, and she braced herself for the spring. One, two, three, oh! As she finished counting, she gave a mighty leap downwards. She cleared the ditch, she cleared the path. It was narrow just here. She went clean over into the lake, and with a terrific splash, that quite outdid anything the others had accomplished in that line, and she vanished under the water. She was at the surface again in a second, and was swimming frantically for the bank. As a general rule, the water was not shoulder-deep here, but then you couldn't go by general rules today. As Miss Maynard remarked later, when she heard the full story, Miss Bettany was leaning over, and catching her wrists as she crawled at the bank. Miss Durant joined her, and between them they lifted Joe, and just as Dr. Jem appeared on the scene and took in the situation at a glance. Hurry her home, he cried, not attempting to greet anyone. Don't let her stand for a moment. Here, I'll come and take one side. Miss Durant and Mademoiselle will look after the girls, and Miss Bettany grab this awful infant with me. Now then, young lady, just buckle your stumps a bit. It was, of course, the end of the walk. Joe was raced home as hard as they could go and obliged to share the fate of the other three. Mademoiselle, certain that the lake path was charged with accidents today, and convinced in her own mind that it was tempting Providence to go any further along it, marshaled the girls into crock, and with Miss Durant at the head and herself at the tail, marched them back to the school, uttering exclamations, "'Just as though she were a sky-rocket,' said Grizel.
"'What on earth made you do that?' demanded Dr. Jim of Joey, later on, when she was safely tucked up in bed. "'Hadn't you had enough of water for once in your life without pitching into a lake like that?' "'Well, I never meant to do it,' argued Joe. "'It was Madge's fault, really.' "'My fault?' "'How was it my fault?' demanded her sister indignantly. "'It was your own stupidity. "'If you'd let me catch you, you wouldn't have.' "'We'd both have gone in,' Joey finished for her. "'My weight would have sent you flying. "'Oof! Wouldn't that have been priceless?' "'You wouldn't have looked very dignified, my dear, "'pitching into a lake with me on top of you.' "'Madge shrugged her shoulders. "'Then she laughed.' "'That's true for you, Joey, my child. "'But I don't for one moment believe your weight would have upset me at that extent.' "'I was jumping,' Joe reminded her. "'I jumped for all I was worth.' "'I rather think you did,' laughed the doctor. "'Well, all's well that ends well. "'And it's high time you were off to sleep. "'You four must all stay in bed tomorrow till I have seen you.' I don't for an instant expect there will be anything wrong with you, but let's just all be careful now. Now go to sleep. If you are very good, I may have something to tell you in the morning. Oh, what? Joey started up in bed. He promptly laid his her flat again and tucked the clothes firmly round her. You don't hear till the morning, and only then, if you've been good. "'Miss Bettany, you shall report to me.' "'I think you're mean,' grumbled Joe, as she settled down. "'Oh, all right. I'm going to sleep. Good night.' "'Good night,' replied the doctor. Pleasant dreams.' But Joe was buried in oblivion and gave him no reply.' 